You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Let us say hello once again to Eric Nixick, the MMA Hour Coach of the Year, as you may have just seen recently. The head man over at Extreme Couture had a very busy 2023, and well, 2024 is already shaping up to be a wild one, isn't it, Eric? How are you, sir? Yeah, good to see you, Mike. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Well, Sean Strickland is about to defend his UFC middleweight title for the first time against Strickus Duplessis at UFC 297 next Saturday in Toronto. But before we get to that, the story of Francis Ngannou, Eric Nixick, Mr. <laughs> this is how you fumble the bag is set yeah. to fight Anthony freaking Joshua on March 8th in Saudi Arabia. This is just insane, Eric. I don't know what other words to really use to describe this is, but from leaving the UFC to signing with PFL to Tyson Fury to Anthony Joshua, this is insanity, man. Yeah, bro. He, he never ceases to amaze me. Um, you know, this guy's been playing chess and we've all been playing checkers, you know, so it's uh, couldn't, couldn't, hap- uh, couldn't happen to a better guy. So I'm very happy for our guy. You're, you know, as, as the coach, as the confidant in some ways, you're always down to clown, as the kids say. But when right. you found out that this fight was a go, that Francis Ngannou was going to fight Anthony Joshua, like, is there even surprise from you anymore at this point? Or has it just gotten so crazy where it's just like, all right, cool. This is what's happening now. <laughs> I think I see the screenshot. What? Like a yeah. conversation. I mean, it was just, that's literally how it went. Like a uh, party. And I was like, who we got AJ. All right. See you there. You know, like it's, it's just, man, it's, it's been such a smooth sailing process. Um, you know, ever since he's kind of moved over and done his thing and uh, man, like I'm excited to get back out there. You know, I can't, I can't wait to go see our guy compete. And then I think there's so many things that we can build on and uh, show even a better version of what Francis he saw versus Tyson Fury. Yeah, because what he did in that fight, it shocked a lot of people. I'll admit, I was one of the people that was very surprised. <laughs> you know, the knockdown, the iconic photo, just legendary stuff. Now the surprise factor kind of goes away here, right? Like we've seen this yeah. guy give one of the best heavyweights in the last two decades of the boxing world everything he can handle. How do you view this from a coach's standpoint, like a, a confidant standpoint where the Fury fight had its dangers, but at least through the armchair quarterbacks, it was viewed through more of a house money lens. Like, hey, Francis just gets to round five with Tyson Fury. Like, that's a moral win for him. While this fight with Joshua seems bigger and Francis being taken more as a serious threat, not just with the MMA community, but the boxing community as well. How do you sort of navigate those roads, so to speak? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously him surprising a lot of people in the outcome and the way that he performed in the Tyson Fury fight. So the cat's kind of out of the bag. The nice thing from a coaching perspective, I feel like there's a lot of things that we didn't show in that fight and improvements that we can build. So I feel like we tomorrow, or actually Thursday, we're going to sit down and kind of 
go over what his thoughts are on, on the approach and, and see if we can find some holes and some variables that we can change and, you know, have a different style approach against Anthony Joshua. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Um, but moreover, you know, there's the, there's the, the X factor that our guy always is going to carry and that's that power. You know, once he hits you, once he's able to, to kind of dictate his power on somebody and, and make them move and make them vulnerable, um, I think that's when really you're going to start seeing uh, the good things happen in that fight. Francis told Ariel on the MMA Hour yesterday as we record that, you know, he respects Anthony, thinks he's a great fighter, but he feels, um, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but Joshua is more likely to hit the canvas for a longer period of time than Tyson is. Do you, do you kind of view things the same, like not in a disrespectful way, but do you feel like Anthony is more susceptible to getting knocked out than Tyson Fury? Well, I w- I'm not going to sit here and say that I think he's more susceptible to being knocked out, but I'll say that he's more susceptible to us finding him stylistically, whereas Tyson does such a good job of movement and, and angles and, and uh, you know, kind of just rolling off the punches and things like that. Um, that's why we try to utilize a little bit more of the ring control and, and, and put him into barriers to limit some of his movement. Whereas I feel like Anthony's going to be there more often. He's more of a plotty fighter, kind of a works well behind his jab, but I feel like we can, we can find him there in the pocket rather than having to chase him down or try to hunt him down. So there's a, some differences there, but by, by that style of fight, if he's going to be there in the pocket, Francis will find you. What if he goes out there and does this, Eric? I mean, March 8th, what if he just goes out and just flattens Anthony Joshua and wins this fight? The guy's already ranked number 10 in the heavyweight rankings in the boxing world after just one fight. Goes out there and knocks out Anthony Joshua. Like, how far can this story go? 100%. I mean, none of this surprises me anymore. And I'll say from my perspective as his head coach in MMA, watching him just completely tear his knee in half, and then be able to go and, and beat Cyril Gaunt on one leg. I was a believer ever since. I mean, I've always believed in the guy, right? But I remember I was from the camp saying, yo, I think we should pull out. Like, like your leg is a mess. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to go beat this guy on one leg. I know I can do it. And I'm like, holy shit, here we go. And after that, man, I'm just like, bro, whatever you tell me, we're going to drive to the moon, then we could drive to the moon. But whatever you tell me, I'm in for it. Do you ever think about, that time in, in your guys's life when you're getting ready to fight Cyril and you're like, dude, we shouldn't fight. And he just says, nah, let's just do it. Do you think about what if he's, what if he actually listened to you and he pulled out like where things would be? Do you ever think about that? No, thank God. No, I don't want to think about that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. But you know, it was, it was, it was serious conversations between not only myself and Dewey, Dewey and I both admitted and said, loud and clear. We don't think this is the fight you should take on this leg, but we had a, we had a deadline and that deadline was that whatever day. And the moment you say, Hey bro, we're fighting no matter what the outcome was going to be, no matter the outcome, we've got you back hundred percent win, lose or draw. doesn't matter from this point on. I'm not even going to talk about your leg ever again. It goes right to freaking we're Let's go beat this dude. And that was the, the best part for me though. The most stress relief I've ever had was when we landed in Anaheim and we're like, yo, we're fighting. And I'm like, cool, that's it. I'm not even going to think about your leg again. doesn't even matter anymore. Let's go fight this dude. And that's exactly what happened. What's more memorable when you kind of think back to the last two years? That moment where Francis is like, I'm going, and then he goes and beats Cyril on one leg? Or what happened in September with Sean Strickland going in there and just just outlanding and out 
uh, out brawling Israel Adesanya for 25 minutes. Like nobody saw that coming. It's crazy. Like what is kind of the more memorable moment? I'm, I'm sure that's, they're pretty close and it's a tough argument yeah. to have, but what do you, what comes to mind first? I mean, it's like, it's like asking like, which kid do you love more? You just love them all the same, but you love them differently. You know, like each one has a different connotation to myself and in, in my career, even, you know, like Sean's such a different animal when it comes to the differences between him and Francis, you know? And, um, you know, Sean's journey, Sean's story is his own and it's very different. It's very hard. The trials and tribulations that he's been through much like Francis, he's had the same, but in, in a different way. So helping these guys realize their full potential and seeing their hand get raised in a championship level fight. It's hard to compare the two. Both are very, very important to me from a human element. And, um, you know, I couldn't be happy for either of these guys. Kind of an inside look to Sean because obviously he's getting ready to fight DDP and just an absolutely crazy fight on paper. You were there, obviously, when Sean won the belt. You hoisted him up in the air. Crazy moment. And we've seen him ever since. More people are starting to get to know him. We're starting to learn the vulnerabilities a little bit more of Sean. All the different layers to this man. And I don't even feel like we've scratched the surface in a lot of ways when it comes to Sean Strickland. But as the guy who comes to the gym and competes and gets ready for his fights and helps his teammates, and we've heard all these great stories about how great of a teammate Sean is. What has being champion done at all? Has he changed in any way? Does he feel like he needs to give more back? Like, what have you noticed from Sean since winning the title from then until right now, as he gets ready to fight DDP? I, I think he, he shows the, like his level of, of care even more so to the team guys. And I think that he's actually like reverted back to like more like cleaning the mats and making sure the gym is tidy and doing all those things. Moreover, I think just because of like, he, he wants to keep that hard work mentality. Like this, this belt's not going to change him and change who he is. And he's not going to forget what got him here. And that's his hard work. But even Chris Curtis was saying today, like, you know, Sean, Sean's approach to the game, I think is a little bit more heady. Um, we, we talk about a little bit more calculated things as, as time has gone on. But as far as like just his workload and his work ethic, man, he was out for one week after he won the title and was back in the gym to help the rest of his teammates get ready. And that you can't ask for anything better out of a teammate in the room because now as a champion, that's going to trickle down. More and more guys are going to see, okay, it, this is how Sean does it. This is how Sean works. This is how Sean takes care of his teammates. And that the next guy in line is going to feel that same way and we'll do the same thing and it's only going to help us out. Sean wins the belt in September. We get the Hamza Chimaev Paul Costa fight. At least that's what we think we're going to get. Right. Usman steps in. Dana White, when he makes the announcement, he says the winner of this fight is going to fight Sean Strickland for the middleweight title. And Hamza wins. And he, we find he's a little bit dinged up, but we didn't really know the extent of it. And then we find out not long after that Drickus Duplessis is going to be the opponent. And we, we pretty much have been saying coming out of that Hamza win that you know, availability is DDP's best friend if he wants to get a title fight. And here we are headlining the first pay-per-view of the year. When you found out DDP was the guy, were you surprised or did you think it would be Hamzat first and then DDP and just kind of see how that was going to work? No, not, no, I wouldn't say surprised. I think Drikus is in a, in a spot that he should be in, to be honest with you. Um, he's earned this right to, to fight for the title. I didn't feel like Hamzat's performance would have leapfrogged Drikus by any means, but I thought what Hamzat did was, was a very good win over, uh, you know, one arguably one of the pound for pound best to ever do it. Whether it was on five day notice and moving up a weight class, it's still Kamar Usman, you know. So um, neither of them really surprised me either way. That's that was my mindset. It was going to be one or the other, depending on how Hamzat came out of that fight. 
you know, I, I got a couple text messages from some UFC brass that night after Hamza won and just said, hey, let us know when you think Sean will be ready. This will be the matchup. So, you know, in my mind, I thought, okay, maybe it's going to be Drake or uh, uh, Hamzat, but, um, you know, he got hurt or he had the hand injury and then he got sick. So it is what it is. This The fight game waits for no one. I feel like at least preparing for Sean Strickland in 2023 to go from Nasruddin Imavov on like five days notice to Abus Magomedov to Israel Adesanya, like such a contrast of styles. And then to go from those three dudes and Abus is a little bit chaotic himself, or at least he can be mm. to Drickus, who is like an absolute maniac in there. The guy is just a chaos merchant. What has that been like for you trying to put these different puzzle pieces together? Cause Drickus is not like Asanya at all. It's like a completely different cat. Yeah, I know you're right. I mean, uh, for me, our, our concept has always been the 80, 20, 80% of our workload and what we're going to do, our game plan and 20% of what, what they're going to do. Um, you know, and, and credit to Drikas and his camp, man, like breaking him down. You know, we, we, we competed against him with Brad Tavares and just even from the Brad Tavares fight alone till, till you see him fight Whitaker, he's shown, he's shown so much more growth and, and more, uh, um, I'd say a more tactical approach to his game, meaning that I feel like he's starting to understand what he's setting up when he gets in Southpaw, he's looking for certain things when he's over to this side, he's looking for certain things. Um, you know, and we saw him drop Whitaker with the Southpaw jab out of the, you know, the right hand, the power hand is now forward. So I, I think he's starting to understand more and more of what he's trying to accomplish in the cage. And you can start seeing that and it's, it's working out well for him. What have you made of the rivalry that is built between these two guys from the press conference stuff to just fight getting in fights in the crowd at UFC 296. Like, I mean, it's the fight game and whatever is said, yeah. I'm not really talking about that, but just seeing how quickly this thing escalated to where we're at now, as we're talking what 12 days away from this fight, less than that. Like yeah. this, this blew up real quick. No, I did. And I get it. Like these guys are trying to sell the fight. Uh, you know, Sean will poke and, and say all these things and then it's going to come back to you. You know, guys are going to poke and say shit back to you. So it's just part of it. It is what it is. You know, um, it's not for me. That's that's for sure. Like, and it's not my job. I don't I'm not the, the my pay does not change if these guys talk shit or, or show up and, and shake hands. I don't care one bit. Jerikis is the rightful heir to that, you know, that number one contender spot. He's earned it. He's a, um, he's, he's great. I think he's a, I think he's amazing what he does. And I think he's only gotten better. So all, all respect to Drikus in his camp. That's the way I look at the situation. These guys want to talk about their past and their sexuality and their, the dads and all this other crap, leave it to them. I don't, I don't want to be involved in any of that stuff. I want to go out and compete against the best. And I think Drikus is the best right now. How has Sean been emotionally heading into this fight? Like, I, Sean likes fighting, so I feel like him in the gym, not much has changed. But is there a different aura to him? Like, he wants to go out there and beat the hell out of whoever he's fighting. It's like that with anybody, but it seems like things have gotten a little personal here, and he hasn't really had, like, a true foil and, like, a true rival quite like this. So yeah. has Sean – have you had to rein him in at all in any way in that regard? No, it was it were, so. There was two days really. It was the Saturday when that whole little brawl thing kind of happened. Um, I didn't see him on Sunday, and then Monday's practice. And then I said to him, uh, basically, me and Danny were in the cage with him, and I said to him, I said, "Look, you know, um, I want you to understand a couple things that you speak for a demographic, that you speak for people that 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 I have really never been communicated with in my life till you won this title." The, the amount of people that reached out to me 
that come from the same upbringing, the same challenges as you have had, whether you like it or not, you're an inspiration to them. You're a role model to them in, in a lot of ways. I said, I'm proud of you. And I hope that you understand that you can make a difference with your platform and speaking on some of these things um, and the way you carry yourself. Now, whether you choose to do so or not, that's completely up to you. But just by your position that you're in now, you've made a difference. And people have reached out to me and have said that. I'm proud of you. I'll leave it at that. Um, on a, from, a, from a coach's side, I told him, I don't want you to fight this fight emotionally because I think that favors Drikus and takes us out of our game plan. You know, and uh, he said, no, you're right. Um, you know, and that was really it. That was the end of the conversation. And since then, he's just been focused. He's just been really dialed in, Mike. Like every practice has been spot on. Everything that he's been doing has been spot on. And um, if, if that's motivation by what happened, maybe, I don't know. But it, from from camp to camp, I feel like this one in particular has a different meaning for him, a different meaning. Like Johnny Eblen's in here now. We brought Johnny in for the rest of the rest of camp. You know, two of the best middleweights in the world. And and Johnny's known Sean for a long time. And even Johnny said today, he's like, dude, this guy was this guy's dialed in. So we're I'm I'm hoping to see the best Sean Strickland come January 20th. God, what are those sparring sessions like with Sean and amazing. Johnny? Uh, absolutely, absolutely barn burners and absolutely amazing. I told Johnny that uh after today's practice, I pulled him aside. I said you might be not maybe even maybe right now, but you will be top five pound for pound in the world regardless. Cause you, dude, you're just scratching the surface right now. You're a freaking puppy in this game and you're already a world champion. But watching what he's doing and understanding how to spar, how to train, um, what he's setting up in his route combinations with his punches and stuff, man, this guy is, this guy's world-class, absolutely world-class. And it's no surprise that he's a champion right now. Chris Curtis also taking the trip to Toronto as well. Take on Mark Andre Burial. I feel like this is this is a big. This could be a very big year for Chris Curtis. I feel like the, the ceiling's right there for him. He's just waiting for a moment. He's had some some pretty bad luck, honestly, but he's also had some really good performance. The Joaquin Buckley fight was unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. How's he looking right now, heading into this year? Amazing. So actually, the first three rounds I had for Chris today was Johnny Eblen. Um, I felt Johnny Eblen was going to give us our best look for Mark Andre. Uh, cardio, pace, size, you know, his, his ability. Like when I remember when Mark Andre fought Dolce, uh, Mark Andre hitting switch crosses and switches a lot. And that's what Johnny does. Uh, and that was high level, high level round between him and Chris. Chris did amazing, amazing versus Johnny. And even Johnny said, he's like, well, that was the best I've ever seen Chris Curtis. So I, I'm with you, Mike. The sky's the limit for the guy. He's a gym rat. He's in here every day. He's working hard. Um, you couldn't ask for a better teammate and a better guy than Chris Curtis. Everybody just roots for the guy. You know, he's, he's a, uh, he could be Eeyore at times in here and then he could be you know, on top of the world. So, uh, but it's been more, more on top of the world out of him as of late. So I'm excited for it as well. I know you've worked a lot with Aljamain Sterling over the years while he was Bantamweight champion. Sure. Now he's moving up to 145 <laughs> and, and fighting Calvin Cater and, obviously, you know, Calvin very well, you know, coaching Dan Ige, having to prepare for that, that that fight is so interesting to me, man. Like if he, if Aljo wasn't going to get the Holloway, the Holloway fight, which I know he wanted. And I think that was the the right call out boy is cater like a really interesting challenge for him. What do you think of that match making an Aljo moving up to 45? Uh, I'm glad Aljo's moving up because I've been there for those weight cuts for him and his body type. He's a big, big bantamweight man. And, 
I think the older you get, the harder those cuts are going to start, you know, taking on your body and, and could, could have a lot to do with your performance. Um, so I, I think this is the right move for him. Um, I think Calvin Cater is a ultra tough matchup, man. You know, and, and yes, he's, he's good friends. I'm good friends with Tyson. I'm good friends with Aljo, the whole thing. But, um, you know, I think stylistically, this is a very, very tough matchup for both guys. Um, you know, Aljamain's been in the gym. Um, he's been coming to all of our drill sessions. I haven't been really doing any X's and O's with him by any means, but just him drilling with us, you know, Aljo's a specialist and ha- him being in the room helps all the guys in the room, no matter what. So, uh, I'm looking forward to this fight, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Calvin decides to do and his approach in the game and looking forward to see what Aljo comes up with. Danny Gay continuing to have one of the toughest schedules at 145 <laughs> pounds. Jeez Louise, yeah. man. Just the amount of killers this guy fights. Just fought Bryce Mitchell. Really close fight. Gave Bryce yeah. hell. And now he's fighting Lerone Murphy. Man, just the murderer's row for this guy. Just every yeah. up-and-comer, you got to fight Dan Ige to see if you're that guy. And Dan just takes it on the chin. He's like, all right, man, bet. Let's go. 100%. And bro, I, I, I've been a fan of Lerone Murphy for a while. I love watching this guy fight, man. He's good. He's very, very good. Um, huge fan of him and his camp. And and uh, there's some things that they've done that I've looked at and you know try to apply to some of the stuff that we do. So, um, I'm really looking forward to that fight. I feel like Dan Ige is a more polished version of Leroy Murphy. I think that with a lot of things that we do, we do a little bit better. Um, but that doesn't mean that these guys aren't going to be giving us their A game when we show up um, February 10th. You know, so I'm really excited for that fight. Barn burner, barn burner. So that's got fire night written all over it. Last thing, there, there's so many fighters at your gym, and there's so many fighters that are at high levels and on big organizations and stuff. Last year, when I asked you this question, I said, which fighter is flying under the radar that can make a really big splash this year? And Cody Stamen was a pretty quick answer for you. It was kind of a weird year for him. And yeah. I know he's out hunting and doing the damn thing and just having fun. Who is it now? Like who could, Sean Strickland obviously was the underdog story of the year. Just dude just comes out of nowhere, two fight losing streak heading in and then becomes a freaking world champion at the end of 2023. Who could be that story this year in 2024 for you? So I'm going to give you a couple names. And, and this one really stood out to me today just because the last like few months, it's uh, been Edmund Shabazian. Just this dude's work ethic. Um, you know, Sean's called him every name in the book, said he's being a wuss and this and this and that. And that, you know, that motivation, that big brother, he's big brothering Edmund because we all see the potential and what Edmund possesses. And, bro, I'll, I'll tell you what, Mike, this guy has been killing it in the room lately, absolutely killing it, giving wonderful rounds to all the guys, but working on things himself and getting better. Um, but there's a grit to him now. There's a there's a toughness about him that we haven't seen as of late, and, and I'm seeing that out of him now. So Edmund stands out to me. Um, and the other one, too, that really has been jumping off the page is Daniel Zohuber. Man, is this kid talented. Not only is he talented – He's starting to understand the reasons why, the reasons why we do things, the reasons why you throw this knee this way, the reasons why you shake step or drop step. You know, it's not like you're just doing it just to do it. He's starting to understand where to place it, where to put it in. Um, you know, we always say that that conductor to the orchestra, you know, where do the instruments go? And that's been him as of late. He's really coming into his own. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing his fight. He's going to be fighting February 24th in Mexico City. So, um, yeah, uh, Zell Hoover's really been jumping off the page for me. 
Yeah, I remember talking about him heading into his second UFC fight, and you're like, "Yeah, man, it's like getting a brand new Lamborghini when you just get your driver's license. You're trying to like <laughs> figure out figure out how to drive this unbelievable car with like all the bells and whistles, but you're not really sure like how to get the best performance out of it. And that's like one of the been been one of the more challenging things you've had to deal with over the last couple of years. Like, you know, this guy's got it all, but it's just a, right. trying to harness it in the right way. How fun has it been to kind of see it? Because since then, it's been pretty crazy. Like from the corner speech where you're just like, what'd you say you're going to do to this dude? You're going to go F yeah. him up to yeah. just having a complete performance in his next fight to where he is now getting ready to head into Mexico city. Like how fun has that been to just watch this progression? It's been a blast, but I mean, it's been a learning and coaching experience for myself included because I get so geeked out when you get like a Lamborghini and you want to floor it and go 140, <laughs> you know, to where this reminds me like, Hey, I have to slow down. Like I have to give little bits of bandwidth and, and, and information and, try to not over bog the internet. So that's been my biggest thing as of late. You know, I, I did that with Kai Kamaka, right? When Kai came to the gym, it was like, we had so many routes and information that I think it, it, it could hamper an athlete, you know, but I'll say between him, um, between Zell Huber and Manel, Manel and I have been on a different level wavelength, man. Like the way him and I go and on the pads and the things, the way we see things, you know, we're, like I'm looking forward to Manel's fight this Saturday and, and um, you know, he's competing against a very tough guy, Mateus Nicolau. But um, just just what I've been seeing in the room by Manel and understanding the route combinations that I'm looking for as a coach, it's a offensive coordinator and quarterback, man. We're just getting after it right now. Yeah, Manel, when he signed at the UFC, I don't know if I've been more delighted to see a signing outside of the organization. I was so happy he got signed. It took seemed like it took him forever to get into the octagon, but now he's knocking on the door i think fans are starting to see his full potential which is a pretty scary thing oh man it's crazy i think this is like our seventh camp together but our fourth fight i want to see that fight so badly uh, a lot of people myself included thought manel won won the first fight it was very very yeah. close but now yeah. seeing you know the the the, the strides manel has made since that fight and Man and even uh mateus as well just seeing some of the performances he's had, it's going to be a damn good fight. And uh, absolutely, there's going to be a lot of damn good fights coming out of Extreme Couture this Saturday. And of course, UFC 297 with Sean Strickland. And then you're going back to Saudi Arabia for Francis Agano versus Anthony Joshua. Your passport is getting stamped a whole bunch, Eric Nixick. We yes, appreciate sir. the time, my man. Thank you so much. And uh, all the best to you and the squad. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. Stay safe over there. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Jeez. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.